This is the Truth About Investing Back to Basics podcast, where we want to help you take control of your personal finance and long-term investments. If you're looking for a way to learn the why and how of investing, then you've found the right place. Thank you for taking the time to learn how to better yourselves. <laughs> we can just introduce from here. That's fine. Okay. okay. Well, welcome, welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen, everybody, back to another episode of the Truth About Investing. Back to basics. My name is Chris Holling, and I'm Sean Cooper. Today, we're going to talk about derivatives, right? Exactly. Exactly. Which, actually, I believe this is our our season finale of season. Oh shoot! Is this four? Is this season four? You know, we just do so many of these that uh, you kind of lose track after a while of uh, how many <laughs> seasons you do. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, so, yeah, we're wrapping up season four, which is kind of crazy, actually. I, yeah. I feel. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking I'm looking forward to, to new things and different things, and I don't know what I'm talking about now. Tell me about derivatives, Sean-ski. No, that's not the way it starts. You get a oh, say what you get to tell everybody what you think derivatives are, and then I take over. Shit. It's a lot more fun that way, at least for me. <sighs> okay. Well, in case you all don't know, let me tell you exactly what a derivative <laughs> is. A, uh, a derivative clearly is a uh, when you own. I, and I, I believe this is true. So if I'm completely wrong, then I'm going to be completely embarrassed. <laughs> I believe. Yes? No. Oh, dang it. What the hell am I describing? Um... Nothing. Something that Div- doesn't even dividends? exist. Dividends? I mean... I, oh, maybe I'm describing yeah. dividends. The the other D word that yeah. is fancy in finance. Um, Yeah, sometimes I wish think we should uh, have like a video because then you could have seen my facial expression as you <laughs> went over that. <laughs> and it would have been good if like I still couldn't see your face. So like I would just keep making it worse and worse and worse and worse. <laughs> No, I, I, no. Yeah. See, I have no idea. That's, I'm so, I'm so glad that I can entertain you with, <laughs> with, uh-huh. with me. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I have no idea what a derivative is. So, you, you, your turn. <laughs> okay. Um, so people familiar with mathematics will understand the, the basic idea of derivatives and the, the idea in finance is, fairly similar it's as opposed to the original thing it's a uh additional in finance it's an additional means of owning it and in mathematics should be the equivalent of measuring the slope of a line but um it's a different means of owning an underlying so it's a derivative of an underlying asset okay um there are four basic versions of derivatives now the the one that most people are probably the most familiar with are going to be options um the the most commonly traded are actually futures contracts and they're actually probably the simplest to understand in general 
uh, terms. Uh, so a futures contract is literally an, an agreement to buy or sell a commodity at a set price on a future date. Okay. So as opposed to, you know, you going to the market and saying, okay, I want to buy a bushel of corn. Is it a bushel of corn? Is it, I, I, I feel like know. that's right. Maybe I th- you could be right. I just, I even, even if you are right, I can't think of a time that I've told somebody, you know, I, I would like to buy a bushel of corn today, so I'm going to go to the store. Well, now you should probably do so just to see what the reaction is. <laughs> you know, I have to look it up, or, or, or kind of like a murder of crows. Maybe it's a murder of corn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it up now. Bushel. Okay. Is it a bushel of corn? Sure. Per bushel is 56 pounds. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See? I'm going to buy 56 pounds of corn today. Uh, that's that's amazing. Yep. Sure. Uh, so you go to the store to buy, <laughs> to buy 56 right. pounds of corn or a bushel. Right. So instead of buying something today... You actually set a, a contract with the store, or more likely a farmer, and say, hey, I'd like to buy X amount of corn from you. This is the price that we'll agree upon, and I'll buy it on this day. The reason people enter into these transactions is, you know, from a uh, farmer's perspective or, you know, whoever's harvesting the, the commodity, whatever it is, oil, soybeans, Uh, natural gas, timber, whatever it is, whatever commodity we're talking about. From their standpoint, there's a a price risk, okay? Uh, Every year, if I'm harvesting wheat, I know I'm going to have a bunch of wheat available for sale on this date, sometime mid to late summer, I would assume. I don't know exactly when they harvest wheat. I can tell you when they harvest Yes. You don't know when they, you when they harvest wheat. <laughs> like Timothy hay or something like that. <laughs> uh, out, out here, they normally get a couple cuttings. But uh, anyway, um, the point is they know roughly when it's going to be available. What they don't know is what the price is going to be at that point. So they use futures contracts basically as a hedge um, to say, okay, I'm going to enter into this deal with this person who is has said they will buy X amount of wheat, in this case, from me at this price. So if the price drops between now and then, I no longer have the risk of having to sell my wheat at a much lower price or, you know, selling it basically at a loss potentially. Right. You know, I know what the price is. I'm set. This will cover my costs, a little bit of profit. I'll, I'll take that. The offsetting risk is the price could go up and they lose out on that because they've already entered into this contract. That is a futures contract. They're very they're very fixed contracts. They uh, are predetermined and people can buy and sell and trade them at well uh, very easily. Um, but the point is this this contract is not the underlying thing. I'm not actually buying corn. I'm not actually buying wheat. If I buy the futures contract, I'm I'm buying an agreement to buy or sell it. I'm not necessarily buying the underlying product, the okay. underlying commodity. Okay. 
and for for investors that's very very typical they're not they don't they have no desire to actually take possession of the the corn the the 56 pounds of corn right i thought okay. you said it was 50 yeah 56 yeah yeah um a murder anyway. of corn <laughs> uh but they are happy to you know take profits on if i can buy this futures contract that says i'm gonna with the futures contract they're more interested in the fluctuation of the underlying futures future itself so in if we're talking about the the wheat for example if they enter a contract to sell for x price and the price goes down then that futures contract is on the hook to sell or rather is in in a position to sell at a higher price so that futures contract the value of that contract will actually go up if the price has gone down conversely if the price goes up then that futures contract that has agreed to sell at a lower price becomes less valuable so they're actually trading the the change in the value of the future itself based on the change in the value of the underlying commodity okay now technically speaking these futures can reach their date and the person may still not want to take possession of the the corn or the oil or whatever it is in which case they just do a a cash settlement and you know the whoever whatever the uh the transaction differential is one person one party just pays the other one the difference uh But the point is, so this is just one type of derivative where you're not actually investing in the underlying commodity. You're investing in a a contract to buy or sell the commodity. As I said, this was designed so that people who actually wanted the underlying commodity or wanted wanted to buy or sell the underlying commodity could do so and... Uh, remove some risk, basically hedge their risk to a certain degree. But from an investor's standpoint, in many cases, they just buy and sell the, the contracts themselves so that they can uh, profit from the underlying tr- change in value. Gotcha. Okay. So that would be a, a, fu- a future. Um, that's one type of derivative. Another would be a forward contract, which is very much like a future, except it's customized between two parties. So there, there aren't a bunch of forward contracts out there that you can just click on and buy and trade and stuff like that. You know, two parties actually get together, hash out the deal, and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it's very, very specific to those two parties. So it, it's over the counter. Um, there's no. Uh, there's not the the same type of third-party trading that goes on in in forward contracts, which also involves more credit risk on the parties that are there are entering into the contract. Typically speaking, it also means the the parties entering the contract are more likely to be uh, the the types that are uh, ultimately trying to you know buy or sell the underlying commodity as opposed to just trading. Um, but it, it is still a, a derivative. It is not the underlying product. You are buying or selling a forward contract. Okay. Okay. Um, the one that people are most, probably most familiar with would be options. So, again, they, they trade freely on the uh, exchanges. You can buy and sell options uh, pretty much at well. Um, the... The difference being, instead of with a futures 
contract. It is a contract to actually buy or sell something at a set price on a certain date. Options don't say that you are going to buy or sell something. It gives you the literally the option to buy or sell something. Oh, okay. You see the like claiming there? claiming dibs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you will, if you will, yeah. Fi- but the, financial but investing dibs. <laughs> right, but there's no actual obligation to do so, at right. least on one party's side. There is on the other party's side. So, for example, if I there are uh, calls and puts. So a call is the option to buy a, typically we're talking about stocks here, um, whereas a put is the option to sell. So if so, you can sell or buy a call and sell or buy a put. Okay. So for example, if I sold you a call, I'm selling you the option to buy a stock from me. Okay. What that means is you now, ha- if you bought it, so you, you pay me something for that option, and you now have the option to buy that stock from me within a certain time period at a set price. Okay. But you are not in under any obligation to actually execute that option. So you can choose to let it expire worthless. You can sell it to another a third party, or you can execute the option and say, yes, I'm going to buy that from you. Uh, most likely because the st- the price has gone up. So, for example, if you buy an option to buy a stock from me for $50 and the price of that stock goes to $60, then you would execute your option to buy from me at 50 and then go into the market and sell those shares that you just bought from me for $50. You would sell them for $60 and make a nice profit minus whatever you paid me for the option itself. Okay. I think that makes okay. sense. So, so what I, go sorry. ahead. Well, I was I was going to ask so what if what if I decide to to not go through with it? Like is it just a hey, thanks for giving me the chance or does it does it cost you to to not go through with it? Or or does the cost happen on the initial side of when you say I want this option in the future? Yeah, it happens on the the initial. Okay. You okay, have to actually buy the option from me. So we're talking probably in that scenario, maybe you paid a, you know, a buck a share. Right. So typical options contracts are 100 shares. So you, you honestly, you probably paid like 20 bucks oh, okay. to, to control that option to buy. Um, and so for, for 20 bucks, you had the option to buy 100 shares from me at $50 per share. Okay. Which was... Uh, what five grand worth of the the stock so um yeah and then in our scenario if it went to 60 you could have sold for six so you make a thousand dollars um but you only paid 20 for the option itself okay okay so but in that scenario i was obligated to sell to you if you chose to execute you were not obligated to actually execute the option now the way the market set up, if there was, uh, you know, profit on your end, even if you f- had forgotten about it, most most exchanges will automatically execute it at the expiration date on your behalf if there was profit to be had. So if it had gone up to say, you know, fifty one dollars a share, it would probably it would most likely automatically just execute the option for you, and uh, you'd, you'd get your 
dollar a share and basically break even in that scenario. But okay, uh, you you do a little more than break even. Sure, you get about eighty bucks, I guess. But anyway, um, conversely, so with a a put, if I s- sell you a put, I'm selling you the option to sell to me. Right. Is that convoluted enough? Uh, perpetually, but I mean. Okay, so so uh, more more often than not, you're looking at it from the standpoint of the person buying the put. So if I bought a put, I am buying the option to sell. Okay. So I might buy the option to sell because I wanted to hedge against the um, the market going down. So, for example, in our fifty dollar example. You know, I might buy an op, buy a put at say uh, $48 so it's less than the, the current price but if the market does poorly and my share price goes down to $40 per share then I can execute my option to sell at 48 okay okay so um, if I'm selling someone a put I'm selling them the option to sell to me which would mean I'm obligated to buy if they choose to to execute. So as opposed to being obligated to sell. So you can be the buyer of a call or put and you can be the seller of a call or put. Any of that you need me to clear up or provide uh, no, examples? No, I, I guess on? not. I guess maybe maybe where I'm trying to to figure that all out in my head is that uh, may, may <laughs> I don't even have a good way to describe this because then when you exist as the buyer seller then you're you're going to be transitioning into it again later on and but i i I guess it's not like you're gonna immediately i i don't know i don't know i don't know i i think i'm just trying to take the whole picture in as a whole because it's just several moving parts of like this will happen in the future but only if you buy the option but only if you choose to after you buy the option and i'm i'm just i'm following i think (laughs) Right, right. So where where the future contract is is this is going to happen. There is going to be some exchange, some of either the commodity and value for the commodity, or there's just going to be a cash settlement. Whereas with the option, there's not necessarily going to be any exchange that occurs unless it unless the option is executed. Uh, the initial exchange is the purchase or sale of the option itself. So you pay a small premium for the option to buy or sell. Okay. And then down the road, if it's profitable to do so, you execute that option to buy or sell. Or on the other side of the the coin, you can be the, the seller of the option to buy or sell as opposed to the buyer. So the... Um, the buyer of a call is uh, bullish on the market. The seller is bearish. The buyer of a put is bearish, and the seller of a put is bullish. I think I said that right. I, I, I think so, because the bullish is up, bearish is down, like the bullish of a horn sweeping up and a bearish of a claw coming down is how right. I remember from our previous endeavors. Right. 
Right. So even though this is more complicated to understand per se and gets even more complicated if you get into some of the interesting trading strategies behind it. Right. Um, this is actually the most commonly traded for most investors is options, not futures and forwards. Okay. So now futures are volume wise. Futures are traded more actively because, you know, hedge funds and uh, the like are, are trading them in massive quantities, whereas options are typically not traded in such massive quantities per se. So because futures are more commonly happening in in volume, is that because of what you're describing, like different hedge funds account and whatnot? Or, right. Uh, yeah, the account size is much larger. In oh, fact, the, okay. the futures market is larger than the market for the underlying commodities. And what what about for you? Where do you tend to do a majority of your stuff? Do you do a lot of options? Do you tend to get involved in a lot of futures, just you personally, or uh, me personally? I trade options. Uh, okay. However, I do utilize um, strategies that trade futures. Okay. So since I'm not trading them directly, I still like them to be in in a portfolio. For various reasons, we talked about managed futures in our prior episode on alternatives. So right. that's where where that fits in. Okay. Uh, but I'm not doing the trading myself. I'm outsourcing that basically to a, a mutual fund or a hedge fund. Okay. Yep. So cool. uh, specifically where I trade options uh, the, the most would be covered calls. So we, we've talked a little bit about... Uh, this previously but a a covered call so there's obviously calls and puts but a covered call would be where you actually own the underlying so if i'm selling a call so i sell you the option to buy from me right a covered call would be where i already own the underlying stock so i already own it i sell you the option to buy from me i'm covered because i already have the stock i don't have to you know if you decide to execute your option to buy I have the stock. I can just give it to you at the sale price. We're good to go. A naked call would be I sell you that call, the option to buy from me, but I don't actually have the underlying stock. That would be a naked call, selling a naked call. Because you would have it attached elsewhere for you to make that purchase or it's just... That's just uh, a literally no, no. if you decide <laughs> if you decide if you decide to execute your option to buy from me, right? I would the exchange would instantly have to go out and buy this underlying stock on my behalf so that I could then sell it to you, which most likely would result in me taking a, a loss of some sort. Gotcha. And is that something that you have to like look for, or is that a is that part of a discussion that you have? Like, hey, I can sell you this option, but it's a it's a covered call or it's not? Or what? When you buy a call, you don't know if it's covered or naked. Oh, okay. It, it doesn't matter. The, the exchange is going to automatically make it happen. Okay. So, yeah. Um, the But the risk in that, that naked call is on the, the seller in that scenario. Okay. That because, makes sense. Because, you know, if... If the market's gone way up, they're on the hook to buy that that stock so that they can actually then sell it to you at that most likely much lower price that you've agreed to. Got it. Okay. Yeah. 
So that's why the, the covered call is a, a much safer play. In fact, selling covered calls creates a nice stream of, of profit from the sale of the call, plus you sell them out of uh, the money, meaning that if, if they're going to be executed, um, at least I do, you sell them out of the money so that if they are executed, in addition to taking the profit from the, uh, the premium from selling the call in the first place, you also make a little bit more money on the underlying stock when you sell it too. Maybe not as much as what the market has, has gone to, but you've still made additional money as well. And typically what I've found just out of market volatility, you can still get back in wherever you sold out if you really want to. So, Gotcha. Um, those That little profit from the premium can help uh, buoy returns a little bit in, in down markets and add a little bit, uh, especially in a flat market. It doesn't add as much in a bull market because most likely you're going to be uh, the option is going to be executed, in which case you sell and, you know, you hopefully can still keep pace with the, the bull market, but it depends on how things go. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so that's that would be options, calls and puts. Option to buy is the, the call. Option to sell is the put, and you can be a buyer or seller of either. Um, the last derivative I was going to talk about would be a swap and derivative and swaps are actually, um, on a completely different asset. So futures forwards, typically we're dealing with commodities options. Most commonly are stocks. Uh, Swaps are actually interest rates. So for the most part, Uh, so you're actually dealing with, uh, swapping out interest rate risk, uh, hedging interest rate, because that's what most most derivatives are designed uh, or utilized as a hedge. So, for example, if you're paying uh, a loan for something and it is uh, tied to prime, so uh, the prime rate or the uh, interbank offer rate, um, the, the interest rate that you're paying is probably that, that prime rate plus x plus two or something along those lines so uh you have a variable rate it's like uh an if you have like an arm on a mortgage where you pay a fixed rate for like five years and then after that it floats based on the uh libor or prime or you know depending on where you're at plus a a certain percentage so as if interest rates go up the interest that you're paying goes up if they go down the interest that you're paying that goes down so if you want to take some of that risk off the table, some of the risk that the interest rates could go up and that causes your payment to go up, you can actually do a swap where someone else, you, you, you swap with someone else and you pay them a fixed rate, most likely a slightly higher fixed rate, but they will end up paying you the uh, variable rate. So you end up just, uh, if if the fixed rate is still higher than the variable, you pay them the the difference. And if the variable rate ends up going higher than the fixed rate, they pay you the difference. Um, so you're you're hedging that that risk away. Um, okay, so it's it's not just like the action of saying a, a refinance of any sort. Like it's, uh, I mean, like I imagine taking a a loan to a bank and going through the process of refinancing with them would be kind of like a a small 
more direct version of doing your own kind of swap, but you're saying that this exists as a, I'm doing a swap option between interest rates. And then if, if this uh, variable rate fluctuates, then the payout lands somewhere. Is that what I'm understanding? Correct. Yeah. Um, This typically isn't something done by your average person on a mortgage. We're typically talking about very large companies dealing with, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars of loans that they are are trying to hedge um, their rates. And no, it's not not the equivalent to a refinance. They're not actually refinancing anything. They're literally taking one payment and swapping it out for a different payment with a most likely a different company. Gotcha. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and like I said, you know, most most of the time you're dealing with some kind of variable rate and swapping it out for a fixed, or and swapping it out for a fixed, or vice versa, um, depending on what side of the coin you're on. If you you think interest rates are going to go down, maybe you want to swap your fixed out for a variable. And the and the swap is something that I've I've just never even heard of before. The the other things I've I've at least heard of, and I can always understand a little bit better. But with the swap, it's it's just something I haven't even come across. So is that the same process that you would that you would talk through a custodian to get access to a swap, or what? Where do you find swaps, anyways? No, you're most likely dealing with a bank, some kind oh, of large okay. lender. Large lender um, custodians typically not going to be dealing with that. Okay. Cool. That makes sense. Oh. Yep. That is the extent of what I was gonna plan on covering with derivatives. Um, oh, I guess I could. I mentioned a number of different trading strategies with uh, options. I mean, you've got um, spreads, straddles, iron condors, all sorts of different random trading <laughs> strategies that you can employ. With uh, I mentioned covered calls, man, yeah. straddles. Iron condors, bushel yep, they of have corn. Some fun names. This is this is a this is a heck of a day yeah. of visualizations. O- options traders, um, the the really successful options traders will narrow in on one strategy and they get really really good at it, uh, and that's all they do. They don't mess around with other strategies as they go along. That's just, um, yeah. So. Something, something to look up. Maybe something we'll talk about in the future if somebody's interested. But we'll, I guess I'll leave it at that for now. Well, cool. Pique your interest. Okay. Well, then derivative. You know, and I, I mean, I knew about some of these. Like I was talking about. Like I feel like I, I was aware of an option, and maybe that's because we talked about it at, at some point in time. But I, I think this is a good in-depth portion of, of some of these things and some of these considerations. Good. I like that. Okay. Yeah. So all those times that we've talked about derivatives in the past, now now people actually know what we're talking about. Maybe right. we should have put this a little earlier, but what the heck? <laughs> Woulda, coulda, shoulda. <laughs> that's okay. At least at least now we know it's not whatever I was trying to describe at the at the start of this. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> if if I knew I was going to be that wrong, I would have gone down the road of like uh, oh, you know, a, a derivative is this uh, this process that you do when you're when you're at the circus, right? You uh, you go and you get this this sack of derivatives, and you go down the road, and you <laughs> like I would have I would have completely gone the other way with it if I knew I was going to be that wrong. <laughs> but, but what do I know? What That's was okay. the, I feel like there was one that you did that with. Um, uh, I'm uh, to remember which one it was. Oh, 
man, that was uh, security analysis. Uh, yes, because I, uh, I I decided that there was a there was a you analyze the security company and and the, the I, I like that shows one, up or something creative. like that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, but it it clearly drained all of my creative juices because now I'm just flat wrong. <laughs> so. <laughs> the irony is I feel, think you actually understood security analysis to a certain degree. It was just not necessarily something you were going to uh, explain to someone else per se. Well, now you're just giving me too much credit. <laughs> nah. Let's wrap it so, up. So, yeah, uh, n- next season. Next season. We should talk about next season. Next season, uh, we are kind of we're kind of dipping back into insurance a little bit again um and life insurance uh, life insurance specifically it was it was something that we talked about where we said hey we should touch on this oh my we need to actually do uh two of these oh uh wait did did you uh did you want to do uh like actually digestible amounts or do you want to uh just absolutely hit one big long one i said i, I can't i can't sean I can't, and so, so uh, we're we're doing small dosages, and so th- I, we're we're hoping for the episodes to be a little bit shorter than we typically do, so that you you can take it as it comes, and it's not one big overloading thing. Uh, but it's it's kind of turned into, I guess you could call it a bonus season, but it will be season five for us coming up next, and we're we're gonna be getting that out to you just really just as soon as we can. I think we got a break happening in between a couple of seasons here and there, but we're we're gonna get on it. Is there anything else on it on the on the future season that you can think of? No, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well good. Good summer. Right. Good. I'm glad. Well thank you everybody for coming back out, enjoying the uh season four as we're we're rounding up on that. And then uh we're, we're you know, it, I keep saying that it, we're coming closer to the end, but we we kind of are. We after season five, that we have a very specific goal. Uh, then we have season six, and we have like four or five episodes listed in there right now. And then the then the world is our burrito or chimichanga. I like chimichangas actually. The, Isn't the saying the world is our oyster? Yeah, well, I don't listen to that. I think it was Weird Owl that gave me the world is our burrito, so I've stuck with it. I mean, I definitely prefer burritos over oysters. So. I did have oysters the other day. It was delicious. Okay, see? Now, this is this is why we, we need to have a season that just has absolutely nothing to do with any of this. We'll talk about oysters and burritos. An oyster burrito, perhaps. That'd be great. Yeah, didn't Felicia start this on us, the whole California burrito? Yeah, well, you know what? If somebody would if somebody would actually link to our page a picture of a burrito, <laughs> then maybe, That's right. maybe, maybe we would talk about burritos more often. Both of us failed. But yeah, well, you know, so did our followers failing. Okay, now I'm insulting our followers. I'm sorry. I'm Speaking of, maybe you should post some of these on Facebook. I know. Anyway, thanks again for listening. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us uh, here at The Truth About Investing, Back to Basics. My name is Chris Holling. And I'm Sean Cooper. And we will catch you in the next season. Podcast disclaimer, disclaimer. The disclaimer following this disclaimer is the disclaimer that is required for this podcast to be up and running and fully functioning and moving forward. This is going to be the same disclaimer that you will hear in each one of our episodes. We hope you enjoy it. 
just as much as we enjoyed making it. All content on this podcast and accompanying transcript is for informational purposes only. Opinions expressed herein by Sean Cooper are solely those of Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, unless otherwise specifically cited. Chris Holling, that's me, is not affiliated with Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, nor do the views expressed by Chris Holling, me again, represent the views of Fit Financial Consulting, LLC. This podcast is intended to be used in its entirety. Any other use beyond the author's intent, distribution, or copying of its contents of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Nothing in this podcast is intended as legal, accounting, or tax advice and is for informational purposes only. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. This podcast may reference links to websites for the convenience of our users. Our firm has no control over the accuracy or content of these other websites. Advisory services are offered through Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, an investment advisor firm registered in the states of Washington and Colorado. The presence of this podcast on the internet shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by our firm in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without our first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. For information concerning the status or disciplinary history of a broker-dealer, investment advisor, or other representatives, a consumer should contact their state securities administrator. Amen. (laughs) You know, actually, you want to know something real stupid? I was just thinking to myself just now, oh, I just heard this funny joke this morning. I should tell him that joke. That was pretty good. And then I realized the reason that I heard it this morning was I was editing our previous podcast and it would have been the exact same It was one of your jokes. Yeah, it was even one that I told. I was like, I heard this. This is a great joke. I should totally tell him. I wonder wonder if he knows this joke. I guess I already have. I was was literally in the midst of editing that joke and I was like, what was that joke? Oh, that was was pretty... (laughs) Sounds like the joke's on you, buddy.